What is going on, people? It's the Fly Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Martin Novak. This week, it's a super special guest, Air Blasters in the studio. <clears throat> I don't think he needs much of an introduction. Everybody knows who Air Blaster is. He's been on my bucket list. He's pioneering the hypersyny format of flying and editing and posting footage. And he's a huge inspiration to a lot of us, I think. So I'm not even going to give too much detail. Yes, we talk about GoPro settings, so it's in there somewhere. Enjoy it. Uh, before we get into the episode, sorry it was delayed this week. I had a big move to Kansas, but to make it up to you guys, we are doing a giveaway with Quad X Clothing. Uh, they make some awesome FPV t-shirts. And in order to enter, I know usually I do like random giveaways, subscribe here, do that. But this time I'm actually going to pick some winners based off of footage. So for the next week, when you make your Instagram post of flying, if you want to win one of these t-shirts, we'll be giving away three just tag flylife underscore co in your edit and also quad underscore x in your um, edit. And that'll get you submitted, and I'll, we, we will be giving away one t-shirt for the best Cinewhoop style edit, best straight freestyle, no stabilization, nothing like that, and best chase footage. Uh, those are the three categories. Tag both of us so uh, you can be entered to win. And keep in mind... <clears throat> I'll be judging these critically, so put up your best work and be self-aware. Good luck, and enjoy the episode. All right, let's uh, let's roll into it. Air Blaster, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks, thanks for doing this. I know I reached out to you like probably six months ago, and there's only two people that have ever said no to the podcast, and it's you and Johnny. So I'm hoping my luck is going stronger here. Yeah, just felt like I was uh, in a position where I had something to say, so Heck stoked yeah. to share. Hell yeah. Um, well, let's uh, tell the people where you're at and how you got into FPV, like which part of the country you're in. I live in Bozeman, Montana, which is an epic place to fly drones. There are very few people up here in a lot of beautiful places. So that's, I think, one of the biggest factors that got me to where I am. I just flew every single day. I got to fly in epic spots. So really, the footage looks good because Montana looks good. Yeah. That's, that's what helped me. Um, yeah, living out here. Got into FPV just under two years ago. Um, just saw the potential. I saw some Gab videos of him doing some cliff dives, and that sort of triggered in my brain. I was like, oh, whoa, that drone can go downhill really fast. And everything that I film was gravity-powered. It was skiing, biking. Everything goes downhill, and drones could never keep up. And then as soon as I saw that video, I was like, well, there's a drone that can go down. So let me figure this out. And I uh, just kind of got on YouTube and started, like, just figuring out what these things even were. Because I, I didn't even know what they were. I'd been flying Phantoms and stuff. But got onto, like, a Rotor Riot alien build and watched that, like, hour and a half video finished watching the video having no idea what they had just talked about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, maybe I could just find somebody and ended up finding, uh, funny enough, I found another Johnny who uh, was from my hometown in South Dakota, and he had built like a little three-incher. And so I just 
got to see one in person. It was the first time I'd ever even seen one. First time I'd seen a pair of goggles. And uh, he kind of guided me through the the first, like, shopping cart of, like, what I should buy. And then learned how to solder, learned how to solder. And, yeah, just built my first little, like, China quadcopter and started flying a flying a camera. So pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. And luckily, luckily at that time, like building wasn't actually that complicated. It, it seemed very complicated to me, but now that I like kind of understand it a bit better, I realize it really was not that complicated. And I think that's probably the biggest barrier to entry is just getting over that like overwhelming, like, oh, I have to buy 12 parts and I'm not even sure if this part works with that part. And yeah. I think that's probably the hardest thing, but I'm glad I did it that way because I, I really appreciate knowing how to build them. I, I love building them and it really helps when you're like breaking stuff and you just yeah. need to know how to fix it. So yeah, huge help. And there's nothing, yeah, you're so right. There's nothing like that first stress of like all those parts. And even like back in 2017, that was like before the time of like every part besides the flight controller could like now can handle full voltage, you know, like VTXs and stuff. Uh, but back then, like I would, you know, plug in something that could only take five volts and I'd give it 12 and just burn it. And I had no idea why it caught on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my first build had a five volt regulator on it. And I just remember now building something is just so streamlined yeah and it's... you can build it you can build them in a couple hours versus like a couple days yeah uh yeah your uh your conformal coding video that you did on like the quad with the white accents on it yeah and then like five days of chasing gyro issues that was like a pretty fpv experience right there all in one <laughs> yeah i had like i was so I like went around so much with soft mounting. I just like couldn't get it soft enough. And even to this day, there are certain days where it'll twitch. And I'm just like haunted by the sound of a yaw twitch. Yeah. Like that noise. It's a very specific noise that the quadcopter makes when it twitches and it just sends shivers up my spine. Yeah. It's like grinding a gear <laughs> in a transmission or uh, something. <laughs> luckily, I haven't heard that in a long time, but. I do remember that just driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah. So you you got an FPV more so because there was a craft that had a camera on it that could help you with what you do, not because you were like, I want to freestyle these things so much, right? Exactly. I saw it as a remote control camera. I didn't really see it as a racer or a freestyler. I just thought this thing could be put anywhere in space. And if you got good enough at it, cameras are inevitably going to get better and smaller. And if I can figure out the flying aspect of it, like that'll, that'll be something. And that was kind of what my brain was doing at the time. I was just like, I just need to learn how to fly these things. And I'd flown DJI stuff a lot. And I love that perspective um, but just being able to film something closer to the ground and just whiz through trees and forests and stuff, it was, yeah, that was what really motivated me at the beginning. Yeah. Still I mean, does. Yeah. Next level shit. Um, do you, so, you know, before FPV, uh, I think Stefan mentioned it, you went to school for filmmaking, right? I did. I started out 
came out to Bozeman and they told me that ski films were not a legitimate form of filmmaking. And I said, screw you guys, I'm going to make ski movies. And so I actually dropped out of film school and just started making them with some friends. And that sort of led me on the path of like freelance cinematography, editing, sound, color, and all that stuff. So, but luckily that decision to go to film school brought me to Bozeman and that's where I met a lot of really good friends, a lot of talented people. And that's what inevitably got me kind of rolling. So it ended up working out. Yeah. I think everybody's got kind of got a story like that. I mean, some people went to school and like finished it, but I have a story like yours. So yeah, well, I did finish college for the, for the record. I got an environmental studies degree, which I will never use, but, but it's on the wall. I finished. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and where in South Dakota are you originally from? I'm from Rapid City. Oh, nice. Very cool place, man. Also good ripping, though, if you stuck around there. Probably not the community of things to chase, but some pretty epic stuff to rip. Yeah, yeah. When I go home and visit, um, I like to get out there and rip around. It's definitely unique, for sure. Yeah. That's um, the best thing about FPV is you can find the most boring place and you can fly there and make it interesting. It's, it's super cool. Yeah. That's kind of my shining light right now. I just moved to Pittsburgh, Kansas, like two days ago. Oh, nice. From like outside of Boulder, Colorado. So a stark contrast in scenery and culture. Yeah. That, that is a bit of a change. <laughs> yeah. But same thing, like you were saying, like there's less people out here and the economy is crappier. So there's way more cool abandoned places and stuff to fly and, you know, mix nice. it up a bit. That's um, awesome. When you were getting into FPV, um, did you know about Real Steady before you found out about FPV? Yeah. Okay. I knew – I had seen the Venice Beach videos, and I think that was in my head somewhere. I knew that existed, um, but I didn't know how that was done. I knew it was a drone, but I like, didn't even – it didn't even dawn on me to like research it. I don't know what, it seemed so foreign that I was like, I I don't even need to research this. Like CGI makes more sense. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I just like thought this is so far out of what I could do. I didn't even like think about it. And then, like I said, it took like a gab video of like cliff diving or something to really be like, Oh, wait a minute. This is actually something. And then through all that research, I wound up back on those, real steady videos and I'm like oh okay like I kind of get how he's doing this now um so I always thought and I think Gab had been using real steady pretty early as well and I just knew that that's what I wanted my footage to look like I just knew it looked better I don't know like again I come from like the film background so stable footage is always the goal and so if I can take something that's usually unstable or a little bouncy and I can just buff all the vibration out, then why wouldn't I? So yeah. that, that, that real study was kind of part of my process, almost in parallel to me learning how to fly. I was learning real study at the same time I was learning how to fly. And I was like bouncing them back off each other. I was like, well, if I fly the drone like this real study likes it, if I fly the drone like that, Real study doesn't. And so that kind of 
influenced my flying or at least the stuff that I shared. You know, I, I still fly freestyle for fun, but I don't normally post that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah real gonna, study was real was, study was always, always a part of it. Yeah. I was going to ask if you like fly freestyle for fun because you don't post about it. But if I look at, you know, your stabilized footage, you know, like in a timeline, your shots, you know, later on get more dynamic. Like there's way more like closer kind of like split S moves over the corner of something. And it's just like, there's a bit more, it's not a freestyle, but you can tell that who like you flying kind of has that freestyle ability in the shot versus just like the straight through the trees or whatever. You kind of get the, you know, dynamic feature out of it. Yeah. Um, the split S is my bread and butter. It's the best feeling thing you can do. It's so sick. It doesn't matter where you are. The feeling of like heavy bank turn, then diving towards the ground. I don't think that'll ever get old. So like if you, I don't know, I feel like my flying is sort of rooted in like snowboarding. Cause I always wanted to be a snowboarder and I filmed skiing for a long time at Flying to me is just like riding a giant half pipe. It's like you go up one wall, you dive down the other, get as low as you can, get that speed up. And that's just sort of what I like to do. And yeah, I, I for sure fly freestyle. Uh, I'm not good at doing tricks or anything like that. I don't actually really understand some of the tricks and some of the stick inputs, but I like to do banks and rolls and flips and stuff just just for fun but yeah, just go uh, unleash just you know yeah like it's cool to see what the quad can do and i like to just make sure that i can like at least somewhat do those things so if ever i find myself in a position while i'm filming i can be like oh yeah like i remember doing this in a park i can apply that here um so a lot of that's just like practice and fun and then i try to like keep it more simple for filming and just so it's a bit bit easier to watch, easier to digest, and I think that way it it's just what I like to watch, and I think it's it's nice for people who are not so much into FPV, they can enjoy it as well. Yeah, <clears throat> it's like the can you show this to your mom test. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, I, I don't think there's, there's a decent amount of people, especially now getting an FPV that come from a filmmaking background or cinematography. And it's blatantly obvious, like in the first edits, even if they're flying, isn't, you know, where it's going to be like the color grading and like editing the audio and all these little things that most people don't do in the FPV world just pop out at you. Um, like your video you did that was kind of freestyle-y. Um, I forget the name of it, but you were just mobbing around in the trees maybe like eight months ago or something. Um, but it was just a freestyle run real steadied, but you even edited in the whooshing sounds of the trees just for a freestyle run. And it just takes it, you know, like to the nth level. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was like my first like one take video and I, I've been meaning to do more of those. I just want to do like really epic locations. I don't want to just always do them in a park or something like that. But yeah, that's just, again, my background and my workflow has always been the total package. I, I like to do sound, color, and then just try to make everything look as clean as possible. And, and that's <clears throat> how much time would you say you spend editing on an average edit, like the Moab or the Montana masonry structure? Uh, it's tough to say. Uh, I certainly spend a lot of time. I think 
the general rule is I spend probably twice as much time editing as I do flying. Though I do spend a lot of time on post. Um, I think that's super important. And I think audio is super important. Uh, I really, I, I don't think I'll ever have an edit that will have entirely drone noise in it. I think it's cool if you can like raise and lower the levels on the drone a little bit just to show that it's there. But if I'm following a subject, I don't want to hear the drone, right? Like yeah. I want to be, I want to be immersed in what I'm watching. I don't, I don't want to be reminded that I'm on a drone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I spend a ton of time editing and it's just fun for me. I spend a lot less time uh, with real study now because of the new version. So I'm very thankful for that. But, yeah. um, <laughs> seriously though, like, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I spent, I don't know how much time just rendering and restabilizing and I'm glad those days are behind me. So for anyone <clears throat> who's complaining about the new real study, just remember it could be a thousand times worse. So yeah. Literally just enjoy it. Like, <laughs> You, you guys got it good now. Yeah. I remember when I like, you know, three weeks ago or whatever, when I hit the first real steady go clip and I was like, oh, that's it. Like, it looks like this. That's it. And yeah. So. Do you, do you use a seven for real steady go or did you drop back to the six? Uh, six only. Yeah. Same seas. For, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> forget <laughs> it. Um, do if, you, if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. True that. Um, do you have, uh, like a pretty sick editing computer? No. Uh, well, it's a nice computer, but it's, it's a MacBook pro. It's just a laptop. Just a regular. Yeah. Not yeah. like some craziness. Um, so what was your like rendering time, uh, for real steady? I mean, I set it before bed and hope that it finished by the time <laughs> I was, uh, I okay. woke up. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think my record was like I had like a 36 hour batch. That wasn't like one clip, it was like multiple clips, but my like elapsed time said 36 hours or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. At that <laughs> point I just feel bad for my computer. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, sorry I just made you do that. I'll order some new fans just in case. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how real steady, you know, like I don't think it's a crutch at all. People before real steady, like <clears throat> people used to be like, Oh, this is real steady. It's obvious. And they talk crap. And I feel like that was when it was $400 and they just couldn't afford it. And now that it's 99, it's like all of Instagram is real steady go now. Like, you know, or a huge yeah. chunk has switched over. Um, have you ever used it for anything besides an FPV drone? Yeah, for sure. And that's, I don't know if you saw, but, Adobe stopped supporting uh, older versions of After Effects. And so now you can't have the old real steady, like unless you already have it. And so this computer that I have right now, if it dies, real steady will die with it. And that is like the most terrifying thought to me because I, I like using real steady on multiple cameras I, I don't want to just have to use gopro yeah um so that's kind of a scary thought because I've, I've certainly used it for even like some handheld stuff with other cameras and it's a super useful way of stabilizing footage and so i, I hope 
I don't, I, well, I guess Adobe's already said no, so I guess it's sort of up to the guys at Real Steady to maybe offer some more camera support, but kind of a scary thing. It's, it's like going away. I didn't think that would ever really happen, and that's, well, I sort of thought it might happen, but I didn't think it would happen so soon, I guess. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very thankful that Real Steady Go came out when it did. Um, otherwise, we'd be kind of out of luck. So it's, yeah. it's yeah. interesting. But yes, yes, I do use it for other cameras. Um, but that the lifespan on that is is fading for sure. Yeah, that's scary. You gotta can you like time machine back that up in the cloud or something and then dump it on something yeah. else. My th- I'm gonna try to like clone this computer just in case. But it's just a bummer that that has to happen. Um, for Adobe to just stop supporting it. It just seems ridiculous. Yeah. Well, hopefully, too, like, and something I've kind of been hoping for, like, with this camera support and stuff like that, is that maybe this $99 Real Steady Go is going to bring them some more revenue and then they can do some more, you know, development and, you know, like push into yeah. different avenues instead of because 400 bucks, you know, in terms of camera equipment and FPV isn't a crazy amount if you're this deep into the hobby. But for people that care more about flying than footage, it's not going to happen. Like, you're not going to touch that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's a no-brainer. If you're flying FPV, just it's a hundred bucks. Like, buy a cheaper GoPro and yeah, I think save I'll... save whatever you would buy the HyperSmooth for, and just get real steady. It's going to be better. Yeah, it's like it, yes, it will take you a little extra time, but man, it's really the time is not that much anymore. No, it used to be a lot longer, but now it's just. And to get just almost perfect quality right out the box is like, I can't stress that enough. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I <laughs> Everyone's mean, I, like so they're they're so lucky. You guys don't even know. Yeah, so and it's, good. I think without real steady, you know, like FPV would still be progressing and moving on, but I don't think it would be starting to be taken seriously like it is now. You know, like commercial gigs and stuff like that um and like here and there i'll see like a video you know for something and i'll be like oh that's an fpv shot i wonder who did that and it's just like a quick little half second clip in some ad or something and i think without real steady and like you said in film it's the stable footage you know like warp stabilizer doesn't cut it hyper smooth maybe but sometimes it has these issues that you can't fix in post once it's in there it's in there yeah yeah it's I think it just makes everything a little bit more clean and more usable for everyone to watch. Do you dream of days of not having to use it? Like, do you wish you just had a camera on a drone, you know, like full frame, like DSLR or whatever kind of quality, and you didn't need the stabilization? It was just like a phantom kind of? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there. I, I'd say there are people who have that already. <clears throat> I, I think there are people who are so good at tuning and just know exactly what works and spend hours and hours doing it. I think they're already kind of there. There's some footage that I see that I'm like, wow, that's, yeah, that's actually just raw footage and it looks really good. So I guess like for me, I'm sort of just okay with my workflow and it works really well for me. So I'm not like pulling hairs out about tuning my quad, but, uh, yeah, maybe if I had a little bit more time and if, yeah, real study somehow goes away, I'm going to have to put more attention to that. Don't say that. But Shh, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nightmare, right? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think it would be it'd be epic for sure. I'd love to be able to just post stuff to the gram. But 
at the same time, I'm always going to color correct it. I'm always going to add sound. Just like the instant gratification is never really part of like what I, I like to do. I like to really take the time and polish it up and make it perfect. So have you always been like that? Like with all your projects or was there like a time where you were into instant gratification and then you kind of like matured into patience? Cause this is something like I'm going through myself. Like I used to post every day and think it was a good idea. And now I post like once or twice a week and I take my time with the clip and like, I feel better about it and I get better reactions. But in that moment, when I get home from flying, I like have to, you know, have a talk with myself and just be like, look at this tomorrow. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in quality over quantity. I've, I've always been that way. My first year of like getting into the hobby, I was stoked on sharing my experience. But once I kind of just started making projects with it, I wanted just to focus on the, the footage and the, and the videos and make it less about me. Um, and that was always my goal. I wanted Air Blaster to be like a page that people went to for high quality video and less about a person, you know, just kind of a, a place you can always rely on for like good, good video. Yeah. And so I was never too caught up in like getting stuff out there as quick as possible because I never had any reason to, you know, I didn't have anyone pressuring me to put more stuff out and it was just, yeah, it's just me doing my thing, which is, which is great. Goggles on. Yeah. Um, and something you mentioned a second ago too, that I want to touch on is how do you treat tuning? You know, cause real steady, I think it helps a lot with smooth footage, but it doesn't help with confidence on the sticks. Like you still need a decently tuned quad to like put it where you want it and fly it how you want it and not think about it while you're doing it. Um, so like how hardcore do you go on tuning? Uh, zero hardcore. Zero, <laughs> zero core. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be totally honest, I think I'm rock, rocking stock beta flight, like three point something. It's like old too. Yeah. Uh, it just works. I'm familiar with it. It, the drone, I think I kind of just learned how to fly the firmware. I didn't know enough to be like, oh, I need it to fly like this. It was just responsive enough. It, it kind of just did what I told it to. And that was enough. And then that's kind of been my, my deal. I don't really get too crazy with it. And like I said, if real steady goes away, I might have to think about it more, but for now it works great. And those things fly so good out of the box nowadays. It's like, it's, stupid. it's crazy. I just, yeah. I, I came in at a good time to be honest. Like, yeah, twenty seven. Everything, everything was, yeah, everything was just really good. Like even the first quad I ever built flew pretty well. I mean, it had slight wobbles, but it wasn't like my quads never felt out of control. They never felt like numb or anything like that. They always just felt felt fine. So yeah, I didn't go too crazy with it. Cool. Do you have like a desire um, to be able to tune to that level, or like to be able to just get a quad to be, you know, like pretty much perfect uh i kind of do just because i i think in the future i want to be able to like fly different cameras and i think those are going to require tuning i think gopro is like easy because it doesn't weigh anything so i think that's how i've been able to like kind of get get away with it but 
yeah, I'm not like in a big rush to do that. I think the GoPro is really great and I've tried flying bigger cameras before and it just, it makes you so nervous to fly. You can't actually fly like you want because there's so much more at risk. There's a lot of money in the air and it almost doesn't outweigh, like the benefits don't outweigh the negatives. Yeah. And until like it, it might catch up and there might be a point where we can be confident flying bigger stuff. But for now it's just so nice to be carefree with a GoPro and just slam it into trees and like, just never like ever have to worry about it. Yeah. And even if the worst thing happens, it's not like even close to losing like a full camera or something. Yeah. Get that and best by like, warranty. Yeah. And when you're, when you're chasing like a, a person, like these things are small enough where they, yeah, heaven forbid you, you run into somebody, it's not going to hurt them. And if you get a bigger camera on there, that's just more mass and you're, you're going to cause problems. So there's just so much about flying a bigger rig that seems cool on paper and like, it'd be awesome to have slightly better image. But I think it, in general, the way we are just the sweet spot of the five inch and the GoPro is just, it's just perfect. Yeah. And like you were saying at the beginning, you know, it's only a matter of time until the stuff gets smaller. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like DSLRs and things like that. Like we've already seen it with like the Sony with the one inch sensor and it'll get there. Yeah. It will get there. I'm curious to see where it goes in like five years, you know, like, I don't know. FPV is getting crazy. I see it coming up more and more people getting more and more gigs, like professional footage. And it's really just pushing everybody else. Like when I look at the quality of Instagram footage, like for you know, relevant FPV heads, um, like the bar is just constantly getting raised. And it seems like the community of people that are really pushing the envelope kind of all like know each other in some way or like talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It seems like every day new stuff's coming out and people, I think what's exciting for me is, uh, the people who are like producing the content and like the creative side of it, they're starting to wrap their heads around what it means to have a drone that can go anywhere. You know, like before it seemed kind of like, well, that's a racing drone. That's pretty cool. But now they're starting to see it more as just a camera that can fly at any speed. I mean, it can go zero or it can go a hundred, you know? So I think it's cool to see the wheel start turning with all types of people, even though they've never flown a drone before, they're starting to like understand it and put these ideas in motion, which is really cool. Yeah. Have you like, how soon after you got into FPV, did you start using it for shoots? Uh, it took, I think it took like a year, a little over a year for it to like be something that I was able to like, pitch to somebody I wasn't really at a place where I was like oh yeah like you should hire me for sure because this is like guaranteed like banger footage I just I at that point I hadn't really like gotten there yet um and yeah like a year went by and I made that mountain bike video the Richie um, Rude one no it was with my buddy Dylan Siggers we it was called fly ride okay um, that was like my first 
kind of video that I thought was sort of like a, it was like a proof of concept. It was like everything that I thought in my head my drone could do, I finally kind of like put it down in one video. And then that was sort of my like, hey, look what I can do. This is like something that I could use now. And so I, it took me a while to like, just like be comfortable with the gear. I think that was like kind of the biggest hurdle was getting to a place where I could comfortably accept someone's like money and time and energy and not just show up and have all my stuff break. Like that was like a big part of it was just working out all the kinks with gear and you know, what, what does my video do when I'm in the forest versus up in the mountains? And then like, what's my range like? And all these little things that were all relatively new to me still. I mean, it had only been a year. So that, I think that was like one of the, it all kind of came together after about a year. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, was it when you initially pitched it or like when you initially started pitching it for gigs versus now, have you noticed a change in perception from the customer? Yeah, um, definitely. I think I don't even really remember pitching it really. I just was always like, I got a lot of uh, Instagram messages, just people asking me how I did it and things like that. Um, but now, yeah, people just, it's, I guess it's a little bit of both. Some people are like, Hey, like we've seen your footage. Do you think you could do something similar with this? And then other times it's like, Hey, we've got an idea. Do you think you could do it? And so it's kind of cool. Cause sometimes it's like, I get a lot of the creative freedom and then other times they're coming up with the creative and it's up to me to try to like facilitate it and like execute it, I guess, and try to like, let them know like, Oh, well, this is something that could definitely work or maybe that's too crazy. We could do this instead. And so it's kind of a kind of 50, 50 as far as like what people's perception is. I, and I think that'll always be like that. I think there are a lot of people who are just like, Oh, that's awesome. I want that. And then there are other people that are like, Hey, I've got an idea. Could you do it? Yeah. So, and that's, that's what kind of keeps it exciting, right? Like I love, I love coming up with my own ideas, but I also love trying to hear other people out and just make it happen for them. So that's cool. Yeah. Have you ever like rolled up to a shoot um, and like people are astounded by the size of the rig you're working with? Like when they hear the drone guys come into film and then you're like, do, 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 here's my little 220 millimeter frame or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think they're always, like, pretty excited about it just because, like, yeah, they haven't seen anything quite that small. And I think when they see it kind of ripping around, I think it's, like, pretty unbelievable. And on most shoots I've been on, it's, it's like, the first time they've ever seen it or second time they've ever seen it. And even still, if they had seen it before, they're still, like, super stoked on it. And when I'm filming, I, I'm genuinely having a great time. So I think that they see that and they're like, man, this dude is just out here having a blast, you know, like, and I think that's cool because I don't ever want it to seem or appear like it's work. 
like because it's it's epic it's so fun and like even doing like monotonous flying can be very fun and challenging hitting slow precise movements is just as fun as going down a hill chasing a skier like all of that is super fun and i think the people watching kind of see, see that they they see the precision they see the fast they see the slow and they just think they're all about it it's it's kind of like entertaining just to be there yeah which which is cool and i, I guess like i said it's every shot for me is like super fun there's no better feeling than like landing the shot flying back pulling the goggles off and everyone's just like got a big smile on their face because they they know what just happened you know yeah it is really the and, coolest feeling and it's so cool um like just to like you know filming someone else like I, I always loved fpv but i fell in love with it again when i did this shoot in aspen with uh, alex ferrer ferrera sorry and i could show someone themselves doing their craft from that perspective i think that was like the real cool thing he was like oh my god i've never seen myself throw a cork 12 from like two feet away you know yeah yeah it's really cool and things like that are super satisfying because the athlete has to nail their trick and then the filmer has to nail their trick and unlike filming with a tripod or other another kind of drone which are pretty like static and you're just observing the fpv drone is just so interactive with what you're filming and so it's like this mutual like accomplishment when you when you're done yeah and, and like that that is like to me super cool because like coming from just action sports background i i know how much work those guys go into each shot and it's really fun to kind of like add to their work you know like it's making their tricks look cooler and then like you said they are like oh, i've never seen that before and it's there's no better feeling like than pretty like showing, sick, right? showing some yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's really cool so um I, I, I love it speaking of shoots how many like what are your go-to filming rigs these days and what do you roll up to with for a shoot i have a stingy v1 it's just a five inch um it's got pretty standard gear on it it's got the x hover motors i got uh like a dys flight stack in there crossfire nano and then the unify vtx in the back um but I, i'll roll up with i have like four of those um that are all basically clones and that way i can just if something happens like some usually it's always something minor but you don't have time to like pull out the soldering iron and like fix it so i just grab another one and keep going so typically i just roll with a bunch of bunch of quads that are all relatively the same and then yeah it's pretty pretty straightforward nothing too crazy about the rig and you pretty much always use five inch like if you're outside i guess yeah i've got i've got a b-roll frame that's like a little three inch i think yeah and i've got like little bumpers on it but that's just for like specialty flying around the shop kind of more fun stuff but yeah, 99% of what I do is on the, the stingy 5-inch. Yeah. 
And how many batteries you usually end up using? Because in that video we were talking about, you were saying how coming from a filmmaking background, you're pretty efficient in the sky. Like you line up your shots mentally before you even take off. Um, yeah. So how many batteries do you roll up with? I'll usually roll with like 20 to 30 batteries. Um, it's rare that I go What's through up, TSA? all of those. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, I'm pretty... <laughs> I'm always early to the airport for that reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he actually had like this guy with the explosive expert T-shirt on come and check everything out. But uh, he was all stoked because he knew like, they were like RC batteries. He's like, oh, cool, man. <laughs> yeah, like, the only thing explosive is his footage. Check it out at Air Blaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's rare that I go through 30 uh, I don't know if I've ever gone through 30, but I do that just so I can make it through an entire day. You know, it's yeah. Like I want to. I want to make sure we're good to go for as long as the sun is up. You know. Yeah. Do you run all 4s? Yep. 4s. One love. Still rocking it. Me too, man. Yeah. I don't, I, I see the I see the potential in 6s, but at, like I say, I have like. 10 quads now and they're all for us. So I'm not about to change. Yeah. I have, I have, it's I have like one, a whole reboot. Yeah. I have one five S rig and I use it for stuff. That's just like moving faster, like drift cars or something where I need sure. to, it can pull more amps for longer. But otherwise I think for us is a real sweet spot of like weight and power and tunability. Yeah. 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 It's been working out pretty uh -huh. solid. Um, what about your like workflow? We were talking about having shots lined up. Um, you want to take us through like before you even go to a gig through like collecting the footage and how you deal with it after not even a gig, yeah. just like a spot or a video you had in mind, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like anybody else, I drive around and constantly spot gaps and I'm always looking for whatever it's, you can't turn that off. So I feel like when I show up at any particular shoot, the wheels are already turning as far as like what spot we're going to be on. If it's like a car thing, it's like, all right, this corner is really aesthetic. We want to make sure that we get this, this moment. And I usually just break things down into like smaller moments rather than long extended clips. Cause typically when you're going and making an edit, things are, less than five seconds you know a shot is less than five seconds and i that's kind of the way i fly i just think of these little small moments and i want to make sure the drone is right at the correct spot you know right on the rear tire or whatever it happens to be and then sometimes i mean to be perfectly honest sometimes it's a little spontaneous you just kind of make it up as you go like some things just happen and it's you're stoked when it when it works out so yeah i guess the workflow is just like show up let kind of ask them what they want to see like what their action is going to be and then just try to coordinate what the best movement's going to be and that'll show their action the best and then from there just yeah split it up section by section so just like, like you would just like you would any film shoot yeah. you know I'm I'm trying to like imagine your quad at a shoot. So like if you're doing a shoot or whatever, you'll do like a little like 10 second butter lineup and then like go reset or land again. Like you'll just get the clip and then 
like do another one or like come back and land? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good question. So like, I think biking is a good example. Um, I'll fly through the woods with no rider. Like they'll say, hey, I'm going to start at A and go to B. And then I'll say, okay, I'm just going to pop the drone up, fly what my line would be without a biker. And then that helps me get like the muscle memory of like, okay, there's a big tree here. You want to go to the right of that tree. And then after that tree, there's like two more trees, go to the left of those. And so it kind of gets me like that muscle memory. And then usually it's like, okay, I got my line. I'll head up to the drop in, send the biker, see how it goes on take one. And then I'll land and be like, okay, either we got it or we need to do another one. And usually, yeah, one or two, and then sometimes three is, like, the sweet spot where you just, like, the... Because usually, like, the biker doesn't quite nail it the first time. True. And they'd like to they'd like to do their thing a little bit better. So, like, take two, they kill it, you don't kill it as much, but then take three, you both kill it, and then we're good. And I, I think that's, like, that's usually how my workflow is. And that's biking-specific. Some things you can only do once. Um, there, there are certain things that there's, it's too risky to do multiple times. And when that happens, I usually do like three or four test runs to make sure I'm dialed because I cannot expect them to do it again. Yeah. And then you just fingers crossed that you get it. And then, yeah, so it's, it just depends on the situation, but luckily with these guys, like they're so dialed and they, they know what the footage could be. So they're motivated to get it right. And that's, that's the kind of situation you want to be in is like where the, the subject is just as stoked and can understand the process and is down to put in work for the process. It's tough when you're trying to just like film somebody who's not into it, which luckily hasn't happened, but I could, I was going to say, if you, you stick could, you with could, extreme sports, I think stoke levels are generally pretty high yeah, on a good day. exactly. Yeah, I luckily have never run into that situation, but... Yeah, don't I go feel chess matches and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's cool. I think I've been lucky that, like, the people that I work with appreciate what I'm trying to do, and they, they like, respect the time it takes they they aren't expecting instant footage. They're not like, oh yeah, if you don't get it first try, you're fired. You know, it's like they understand that. It's, it's a, a session camera. for you too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a flying camera that goes 50 miles an hour. They can't expect it to be right the first try. And so, so yeah. far so good. I've, I try to set myself up with people who are who are stoked and. And that's like the beauty of FPV right now is like pretty much everyone's stoked on it. I, I haven't really run into anyone who's like, ah, oh, that's lame, whatever. Yeah, it's like, the dumbest so thing I've ever seen. A, yeah. And I think, I think that will continue. It seems like everyone's doing really well with it. People are really starting to hone in on what their visual style is. And I love seeing it because it's just going to make everything really fun to watch. I when I see an action edit now and there's no FPV footage in it, I'm like, well, where's the FPV footage? It would be yeah. so much better. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been <laughs> like, cooler. <laughs> it's almost like if it's not there, I'm like, well, what's, what's wrong with this edit? They needed it. They needed a guy. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of them out there. I'll drop so. them a comment. <laughs> no, <Nah, laughs> I, I stay off the comments. Yeah. That's a good call, man. That's a dark, be dark nice. hole. 
Yeah. yeah. I think FPVs, you know, like maturing as a whole, like footage, the way the quads fly, the way people see it looking into it, like the whole thing um, is scaling up. But going back to on a shoot, so you get your footage. Do you watch it back on the GoPro after the shots a lot of the time just to double check? Yeah, for sure. Um, How many GoPro batteries? My... That's a good question too. I think I have – I have – five gopros and seven batteries so dang you know you made it yeah. when i got two sessions too that never get used but i keep them just in case you never know yeah i have a session but it's strictly the stick cam session oh nice the chesty mount yeah nice yeah um roll with plenty of gopros i've only lost one gopro and it was at the bottom of a waterfall that's a crazy story. Yeah. Um, I re- go ahead. No, I was going to say I retrieved the quad like from the frozen water. I was like victorious and like thrusted the quad in the air with like a big smile and the GoPro was gone. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, man, that was really the only part I cared about. Oh, that's such a bummer, man. Yeah, because yeah. that is the only, especially if you got a lot of quads now, like it's the footage, man. Well, at the time, I had only—that was my only quad, so it was—it was more meaningful. I still—I mean, I've only lost one quad, and I just—I will do anything to get them back. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's like even though I know they're not that expensive, and I can easily replace them, and I have more at home, I just like something about me just will not let that go. Yeah, I think it's, it's just like, knowing that it's there. Like, it'd be easier yeah, for like, me to understand that it got run over yeah. by a car and destroyed than for it to be like, it's yeah. somewhere in that patch of woods. Yeah, yeah, I have a hard time letting go. Yeah, so. I hear you. <laughs> I've lost one quad. It was, like, way long range, gone forever. And I, I was like, I'm just going to let this one be my lesson. And, like, a year later, I was like, you know, I bet I could still find it if I tried. Like, it was still, I, still up there. Yeah, I I think about that lost GoPro like probably once a week. And <laughs> what's hilarious is so it's at a waterfall in Idaho. It's at the base of the waterfall and I follow the hashtag of that falls and so I just periodically check to see what the flow is doing cuz it's like it's either really high flow or not and I'm like, "Oh, maybe if it's low enough, maybe I could like <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's taking it like it. down river though, you know. It's just a GoPro, man. Let it go. Let it go. Is that what you have to tell yourself right after you go through that hashtag? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I should unfollow it, really. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so going back to the editing. So you get back home, and then you you dump all the footage. Do you – like, take me through that process. Like, do you categorize it? Are you super proper about it? Do you – you know, like, just, yeah, take me through it. For sure. Uh, I've just got – like kind of a system of like labeling the location. I don't label the clips, um, but I have a backup drive. So there's like my main drive and a backup drive um, just so the footage is in two places. Um, But then from there, yeah, I just kind of keep it all in like big folders. And I usually, I'm on a Mac, so you can add these little uh, color-coded things. There's like these little tick marks you can add and I'll put like a color code on like the banger clip just so I can kind of visually see it that way but um yeah usually like if I'm out filming 
on my own, the the session usually results in like one good shot, you know, and then it's always like that shot is the one I I mark and run through stabilization and stuff. So yeah, it's like pretty straightforward. I'm not like super crazy about organization. I definitely could be better, but um, yeah, it's funny. Like old footage just. It's kind of old footage. I, I don't really go back to it very much. Once, like, the edit's done, it's kind of like, okay, like, that was awesome. And then I just kind of move on. So I don't really need to, like, organize it too crazy. Do you, cause do you keep I don't all need, like, your footage from ever? Yeah, for sure. I'll keep it. Like, I have, I have drives from, like, five years ago that probably will never spin up again, but... I got him. It makes me it makes me feel yeah, it makes me feel better knowing that I at least tried. At least I tried. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And then do you take the 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 files and like edit in the in the GoPro codec or do you like flip them to anything? Like do you go to uh, ProRes now, or anything? Now, or? That, now that we're working in Real Steady Go, I just I'll just run everything through the GoPro format. Um What about before? Seems to be, uh, I was I I would use the GoPro format in After Effects and then I'd spit it out to ProRes. Um, but that's all I ever ever really did there. Yeah. And then uh, what are, what about uh, what was I gonna say? Do you like edit with proxies or like have any tips and tricks like that that help you speed up your workflow? Um, no, I don't edit in proxy. Uh, seems like the computer handles playback decently well. I always just have to watch it in like quarter resolution. Yeah. But um yeah, I don't not, I don't really use proxy. I think I just whatever time I would make up in the end, I just kind of just deal with it as we go. Yeah. So Yeah, nothing nothing special there. Just Adobe Premiere uh throw everything in there, it can kind of handle whatever. So pretty straightforward crushes it um and then what about uh like the the most asked question i get gopro settings what are you like yeah people always ask me what's the best for like this and that and my answer is always like there isn't like one fits all setting for gopros yeah. it's like you got to roll up to the spot and look at what you're shooting and like the light and all these different things um what's your yeah. like thought process on that so I have basically two types, like two settings, I get, or like two styles. And it's 4K60, and this is all GoPro Hero 6 now, so, which I guess it would be the same for 7 if, if you're using that. Uh, I use 4K60 wide, um, and again, this is all because I use Real Steady. Like that, ba real steady basically dictates what the GoPro settings are. So 4K 60 wide, and then ProTune, um, flat, and then ISO 100 locked. And the biggest tip I can give the FPV community is lock your exposure. For everyone's sake, just lock <laughs> your exposure. It's like the GoPro auto exposure is what makes it look like a GoPro. And that's like the biggest giveaway. If you want your footage to look good and not like a GoPro, turn off auto exposure and you'll, you'll be looking way better. And then 
as far as like lighting conditions, I use the Polar Pro ND filters, and those are the best quality glass you can put in front of your GoPro. And I think people underestimate that because they want to, like I get like why the freestylers and like the park thrashers don't want to spend that money. But if you're going to be filming, you like your image quality is only as good as the glass you put in front of it. Like if you're putting like a cheap quality plastic filter on there, it's going to hurt the quality of it. You're going to get weird flares. You might get like weird glazing on the image. So my recommendation is use those Polar Pros, even though they're a little more expensive. Just like have a couple of those for those magic moments that you know you want to get like the good shot. Don't use those while you're thrashing the park or whatever. Yeah, but test hover like, with my Polar Pro. Yeah. And then just use those because there's like an 8, a 16, and a 32. So it's like bright overhead light, ND32. You know, slightly towards evening, ND16, right around sunset, ND8. And then lock your exposure according accordingly. I usually run the 180 rule, which is double your frame rate. Um, but if it's like too dark, you could bump it to 60. It won't kill you. But just lock it. Whatever it is, just lock it, commit to it, and you'll, your footage will look better. Yeah, even if and it's then, not on that rule, as long as it's locked, it'll still look better than if it wasn't. Yeah, and, and make sure your ISO is locked as well. Yeah. At, at 100. And what about even sh like, sharpness? Oh, yeah, sharpness is low. Forgot my, about that one. My man, yeah. Always, 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 always low. Sharpness does not make your image look better. It just makes it look sharper. Yeah, and which... You can, yeah, you can always add sharpness in post if you want. You can't take sharpness away. And I think the high sharpness setting in the GoPro is also one of those things that lend, lends itself towards the GoPro look. Like, when you have high sharpness yeah. on a GoPro, you're like, oh, that's a GoPro. Or at least an action cam, you know? Yeah, 100%, for sure. Yeah, so anytime you can just make something look a little flatter, a little more neutral, and then you can add all that later. Yeah. And then the other profile or whatever I use is 4K 30 at uh, the 4x3 setting. Um, if I don't need slow-mo for whatever reason, it's nice to have the extra vertical range with 4x3. You get a little bit more top and bottom. Um, and I would recommend using that instead of SuperView um, because what SuperView is is 4 by 3 that's squished. And so you might as well just shoot 4 by 3 and then you can squish it later. And then at least you have the option. And 4 by 3 will work great with Real Steady Go. So you just if you use those settings, you're going to have way more flexibility later on. And you're not going to be so, like, locked into one thing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think SuperView, like, I, I have you ever used it for a shoot or anything like that? Like, to me, it's always been for, like, hardcore freestyle where you're, like, diving in between trees and you get a better look of... Yeah, to totally. I think it's sick for freestyle. Like, 100%. I think that's the look. Um but yeah, I've never like I like I've never really I get, done freestyle videos. So the only time I've ever had super, I left it on by accident one time, and my buddy was kiting with his paraglider, and I like orbited right around it, and the pair the wing was like the exact shape of the super view, and I was like, yeah. I finally found the object that fits into this perfectly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's great for freestyle, and I, I think that's 
that's cool that there's like that's the style like uh, i guess when i say my settings i mean them more as recommendations for filming uh i think it's sick that there are like style choices for other things and obviously it comes down to what you think looks good but that's that's what i use yeah super cool yeah so there you go people there's all the gopro settings you can listen to that like 10 times over um yeah they're 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 pretty standard to be honest yeah i think you just you just don't change them and i think like i said the biggest one is lock that exposure i think like i see i see it every day where the exposure goes hot and then it gets dark and like the sky gets blown out yeah just just find the happy medium and commit to it commit um, moving away from workflow and stuff like that, can you tell me a bit about like Heatwave Visual and uh, your, like your relationship with Blake and how that all that spawned? Because that's honestly some of the coolest shit I've ever seen. Like, even if I wasn't in FPV and it was removed, like filming that dude thrash that thing and like hanging around that kind of stuff has just got to be like we were saying earlier. Like the Stoke level, the sight counter is high. Yeah, yeah. No, the Heatwave guys are super rad they were actually uh justin hertel is the owner of heatwave he was one of the early guys to like hit me up on instagram like six months into the existence of air blaster i think i had like three thousand followers maybe less and he just hit me up and was like hey this is really cool and i hadn't even really done anything in, in my opinion that cool yet um, so we just kind of kept chatting and chatting about it. And he had this idea to do like a series of videos with some of his uh, sponsored drivers. And yeah, eventually we did one uh, with a truck with uh, Eisenhower. And then we did one with Matt Field with a drift car. And then we did one with Wilkie and his buggy. Um, and it just, uh, it's just got kind of, it just got better and better each time. Like working with those dudes was super rad. I'd never even filmed any sort of motorsport before. Um, so they put a lot of faith in me to just go out there and try to get cool shots. And yeah, it was, it's been a cool relationship. I actually just got back two days ago. I was out with Wilkie and the Heatwave guys again. He just built a jet boat. Dude. And we were ripping like open water get like the drone is getting sprayed it's just it's it's just so cool and like those dudes are like for me having never been around motorsports it's like so cool to see like the stoke that they bring the amount of like energy they put into those builds and for them to be as excited on the footage it's just like super motivating and i i, I love every shoot i have with those dudes and I'm thinking we're just going to keep rolling as as long as those dudes keep coming up with crazy ideas. I, I think we're going to just keep filming it and trying to make it look cool. I bet those dudes are going to send it for a while, man. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, they're not slowing down, that's for sure. Yeah, if you're down to rip a buggy through L.A. and then just export that shit to Dubai so it doesn't get, you know, whatever taken by yeah. the police, you're probably going to be ripping for a while. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's been a cool relationship. I, I really appreciate those dudes. Like, like I said, they kind of put some, some trust in me just cause I hadn't really proven myself all that much at the time when we started and then, yeah, they've helped me learn a lot. So was it interesting a, a cool going thing. 
to film like um, something with a throttle because like for me I'd always done chase footage with things with a throttle and I went to go to a skier and I was like okay this is way different I'm you know this is gravity based and you were saying you did you know a lot of gravity based stuff and that's why you got into it was it interesting going to something that you know they could just mash it yeah uh the first thing we did was just like out in the desert and it was like 115 degrees and i just think everyone was trying to just do their best like the truck had some issues or whatever and like he definitely i think with the drivers they are just so good at what they do it like almost makes my job easier in a way because they they just say, "Hey, like, where, like, where do you want the car? Where do you yeah. want it?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, like, put it there. I'm gonna go here. Sound good?" And then they're like, "Yeah, sure." And like, with like the field video, I've never seen anyone control a car like that. The precision is like unbelievable. I, he was, he literally was like, "Hey, like, put the drone here, and I'm gonna put my bumper right here." And I'm like. Okay, so I just put the drone there, and he's like a couple inches from me, dude. It's like, it's so cool. So I mean, it's all all the props go to them because they're doing the crazy stuff. I'm just hanging on, trying to keep just the drone in the air. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I guess like the throttle thing wasn't too big of a a learning curve. I think the I was fortunate that the guys who were driving were just so good that. They made they made me look good, so we just it was kind of a mutual mutual thing. Hell yeah, it's cool, super rad. Uh, what about like bucket list or like dream chases or footage, like things you you know would want to do someday? Um, well, I'm going to go tomorrow to do a bucket list shot, so stay okay. tuned for that. All right, <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> um, yeah, so tomorrow hopefully everything's good with that, but uh. I don't yeah, bucket list stuff. I so that tower video that I did. Probably uh like one of my favorites that you did. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I wanna dive inside it so bad. I just like it's like super far away and it's on like this property that like may or may not be pissed if I'm there. And just the thought of I don't know. The shot probably wouldn't even be that good because it's just gonna go to black. You know, like you're not gonna see inside the tower. So it might not even look that cool, but ever since I like flew around the top of that thing, I was like, oh, if I could just dive into it, it would be so cool. Yeah, the way but, I see it is you got two ways. You either put repeaters on a helium balloon and float it above it, or you tie a fishing line to the back of your quad and just send it in there. Yeah. Well, there is a hole at the bottom. That's oh. the thing. There's an exit. Okay. And so it's 100% doable. I just like, yeah. Haven't had the chance. How tall to do is that. that thing? 585 feet, so Dang, pretty tall. That's a long dive. Yeah, it's like really thick too. It's like 60 feet in diameter, so it's not even like a challenge to get the drone in there. Yeah, it would just be like knowing when to start punching out. Yeah, the you have to put like some glow sticks or something at yeah. the bottom to help light it up. Yeah, exactly. That's... Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it's just like trying to go to do more like crazy locations like i love flying down in moab that's like the skate park for drones yeah it's like things like that i'm like super pumped on and 
I don't know. I, I really want to do, um, I want to try surfing, filming surfing. That's just like, I mean, I grew up in South Dakota. I live in Montana. Surfing's not really my thing, but I can see the potential in it. And I, I at least want to give it a go. Yeah, I've um, dreamed of so getting barreled with a surfer at the same time. I mean, it's going to happen. Someone's going to do it, and it's going to be so sick. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to be jealous because it probably won't be me because I live in Montana, but whatever. Yeah, you got to put some <laughs> floaties on that thing for sure. Yeah. No, it's a, I think there's just like random things like that that I'm like super stoked on doing. I really want to, I don't know, there's just like so many other like more like artistic things I want to do with the drone. Like it's sweet chasing things really fast and like diving waterfalls and stuff. But I think there's a lot more like subtlety that hasn't been explored yet. Like to the point where people wouldn't know it was a drone. Like that's, that's exciting to me. I want to like start creating some footage. That's like, Oh, that was really great. And they just, that's all they say. They don't, they're not like, wow, that was a great drone shot. Yeah. You know, like I, I sort of want it to become this like just n- neutral thing because like you can only create, you can only sustain the hype so long. It and needs you get, to you just... get burnt out on it yourself too. Like yeah, whatever I do in FPV, whether I'm like bashing parks or like chasing something, if I do it for too long, I'll like have to stop doing it and go to another avenue. Like I don't get bored of FPV, but I just got to kind of move my focus around the ecosystem of it. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think the same for me too. Like I, on the simulator, like this might come as a surprise, but I love racing on the simulator. Me too, like, man. It's so fun. Like if if the courses that exist in the simulator existed in real life, I would be 100% a racer because it's like diving skyscrapers and like flying through subways. Like if that existed and I could go do that right Sign now, I me would up. for sure do that. <laughs> yeah, but like the the idea of like racing through hula hoops in a park just isn't quite that exciting for me, but man, like, yeah, or even like a long range maybe, race, like cliff diving yeah, with gates would oh, be, I'd love it. Yeah. So like maybe someday I'll be like an amateur racer just for, just for fun. I don't know. Cause I just think that's, what's so cool about FPV is there's just unlimited things you can do with it. Like you can be a filmmaker, you can be a racer, you can, be a freestyler. It's like, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's really rad. And I think people are getting really good at it. Equipment's getting really solid to the point where everyone's kind of on an even playing field. And when that happens, I think it's just all good. It just comes down to the the creativity and the execution rather than like, oh, what gear do you have? Yeah, right. You, you don't know? want like this, like some person that's like visually gifted and like amazing at cinematography to be limited by like eye term. You know, like you want them to be able to take that idea, whatever it is, and bring it to fruition. um, And yeah, not be limited by like, why is Betaflight doing this? Yeah. And man, for the most part, that stuff's, a lot of it's worked out already. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At least for me, I've maybe I've just been lucky, but a lot of the equipment that I use has just been been rock solid. So definitely. Um, Speaking of the bucket list shots and stuff and creativity, where do you draw your inspiration from? You know, like whether it be That's, FPV uh, yeah. or anywhere else in the world. That's a good question. Uh, I I think early on and still I, I got a lot of uh, inspiration from like the early Gab 
and uh, like the Robert McIntosh real study stuff because he he was using sound design and he was using reverse footage, which I think was just in itself like kind of a, a unique take on it. Uh, so I think I'm definitely inspired by that. And then I don't know. I just listen to a lot of music and just I feel like when I hear a song, I can I've, I'm like imagining a music video with my drone, right? Like. Yeah. You're sort of like flowing along with the song. And if you listen to the right song, you're like, oh, like, I'm going to go make an edit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, do you fly to music? Uh, I do not. I can't. I can't. I've tried and it throws me way off. Really? I, I do not like it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's, I think it might be something just to have something in my ear, like, feels weird. Yeah. I don't well, know. It's one, just like it's, one day do the double headphone, full immerse, like blast that shit and just see what happens. <laughs> I mean, I did that uh, that one take video with headphones on, but I think the only reason I was able to do that is because I had flown that spot like so much that I sort of like knew the spot by memory. And I think that was the only way I could, like, I don't think I could just show up to a fresh spot, throw on headphones and like start ripping like... Yeah, I need. I like to have that like full focus when I'm at like a new spot. So the music kind of takes me away from the focus a little bit. Interesting. Which uh, is, I think, different for for some people. But yeah, I like find I'm, it. Yeah, I find I'm the opposite. Find... Like I need the I need something to fill my ears so my thoughts aren't the only thing I'm like with. I guess yeah. you know. Um, like when I did the ski shoot for the first three packs, I was like out of my element like not doing well and i just had to walk like 50 feet to the left and just put on a playlist on my phone out loud and then i was like okay now i can do this and mm. it totally just like changed my mood but i think it's you know totally circumstantial yeah well i i think of like i always get a laugh out of watching steel fly because the dude is just chit-chatting the whole yeah. time he literally is just like oh wow this is crazy it's like the most hilarious thing like because he's it, he's doing the most insane stuff anyone has ever seen with a drone, and while he's just talking, he's like, "Oh, there's a bug on my leg." He's like, and he's just like progressing, and he's like ripping, at, ripping. Yeah, he's like progressing FPV while he's like worried about a bug on his leg. It's like, it's the most hilarious thing. So I think that's like an example of someone who's like, like you almost kind of a little bit of distraction may work in your favor. Like if you overthink it. Sometimes like overthinking it is a bad thing, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think that may be where I get the music gets me a little bit over over hyped or something like that. I don't I'm not quite sure. Just listen but to like it, some 50 it, it cent. You're work. like, "Yeah, let's do this." <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oh, this is sick." And I just slam instantly. No, we all know you like, listen to Limp Bizkit. Come on, bro. Red. It's a red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah, man. So that's that's, that's my, well, I'm pretty standard. And I, I think a lot of it is like, uh, I don't really fly with people very often. Uh, I'm kind of just out here by myself. Like, do you feel like isn't... it takes you out of your element? Like, is it different for you when you do fly with people coming from that setting? I'm totally good flying with like people who are part of a production, but I have a terrible time flying around other FPVers. Like when they're like watching on the goggles, I, I just like, I don't know what it is. I get like a little self-conscious, I guess. Totally, uh, so I, man. I prefer, I just prefer the, 
chilling me and my drone just flying like i think that's like where i'll always be be yeah. happiest uh what channel you on uh i don't know don't worry about it yeah no totally <laughs> yeah. i honestly don't even i couldn't tell you what channel i'm on right now <laughs> yeah it's true yeah like it, it, where i lived in colorado like i had like one or two friends i flew with here and there but for like two years i just flew by myself and then like video was one of the things people would be like what channel you on i'd be like the one it came on i don't know yeah. <laughs> you know the one that works when my goggles power on. Yeah, F7 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think that, yeah, I just like kind of being in my own head and, like, just coming up with stuff and not having to, like, explain it to someone else or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. I, yeah, people being in the goggles uh, used to make me super nervous. Like, the first time I think I flew around people was, like, Jordan Temkin and, like, Zach there and, like, all those guys came down to hang out. And I was just like... Well, yeah, no pressure there. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. no pressure. But they're all, like, they don't care, you know? Like... No, I know. No one does. No one cares. But that day, that moment, you're just like, please, God, please, God, please, yeah. God. Yeah. No, and that's the thing. is like, nobody cares, but I feel like you do. So... Yeah. <laughs> that's on me. All right, man. Um... I don't, I think we covered everything, uh, I had, do you have any things you want to add? Like any tips or tricks? Like you were saying things you wanted to sh or like you came on here cause you wanted to share stuff. Is there anything we left out? Uh, no, I'm, I wanted to say that I'm working on a new frame with X hover and I'm super pumped on that. Is this, so this, uh, thing we've been hearing about, like the ultimate filming platform? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like. Super pumped on it. We've been working on it for a long time, me and Daniel. Um, we're, like, closing in on getting it all dialed. But, yeah, I just want it to be something that's, like, super useful, super robust, and you throw anything at it, and you're going you're gonna to be fine. And that's, like, because if you look at my stingy rigs, they're all basically, like, built up with a bunch of random crap on it just to make them easily mountable and stuff so yeah super excited about that that's kind of like a dream come true almost like being a always wanting to like be a pro snowboarder it's your signature and have like, model bro i get like my pro i finally get my pro model something so that's right i never, ima never imagined it would be a drone so that's that's pretty awesome hell yeah but uh yeah i don't know i just that was about it wanted to share the the settings and just make sure people are using the filters locking that exposure <laughs> yeah it's like really just think of it as a film camera you know like yeah. how those guys set it up yeah i think people Ooh, uh white balance white okay. balance 5500k all the time that's one yeah if it's out in the daytime yeah yeah Noted. that way it never changes and then you can it's always consistent yeah Probably the things, uh, yeah, like if you're really caring about color grading and stuff like that, you probably notice that stuff pretty easily if it's changing. Yeah, for sure. Well, heck yeah, man. Uh, so X Hover is a sponsor. Any other sponsor shout outs? Yeah, just thanks to X Hover, Polar Pro, and Team Black Sheep. Awesome. Those are some great sponsors, man. Yeah, uh, they, they have the best stuff, so I'm very, very lucky. Yeah. Uh, well, I really appreciate you doing this, man. I know for me personally, like you've been a huge inspiration, like you have some of the cleanest footage and 
I've talked about it on the show before, but it's like the sushi theory, like less is more. If you strip away all the crazy tricks and stuff, it really makes you focus on like what's framed and how you turn and how you orient your quad. Um, and in that sense, like I think I've learned a lot from you just by watching it. Um, and keep crushing, dude. Like you're rad. You can tell in your footage that you love what you're doing. And that's all I got, man. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you.